Right. Well, we are in week two of a series we started last week called Built Different. And what we're doing in this series is learning how to get stronger from the inside out. And I want to jump right into my message topic. Normally, I'll, I'll kind of build the context and I'll read the scripture and I'll tease out the title. But I'm going to give it to you right up front because we've got a lot to cover today. I want to talk to you about the building blocks for a better you. The building blocks for a better you. Now, I don't know whether that encourages you or insults you that I'm suggesting that you can be better. But the reason we're going to talk about this, last week I talked about your calling. I talked about your assignment. I talked about how God has a calling on each of us and for each of us and multiple callings, really. You're called to a people, a place, a person. A calling is simply the fact that you have been chosen by God for a specific purpose. He has an assignment for your life. And here's why I'm saying building blocks for a better you. Because your calling deserves the best version of yourself. Your calling is too important for you to just show up to it casually, for you to just kind of stumble your way into it. There are people that are counting on you. There are people who depend on you. You are worth too much. It's too important for you to just approach it casually. I don't know if you believe me yet. You're kind of looking at me there with your arms crossed. I'm not really sure. I'm telling you, you've got a calling. It matters. It requires the best version of yourself. So we're going to look at the building blocks for a better you. And I'm focusing on you today because I want you to know I'm talking to you. And I know you do this all the time. You come to church and you think, you know what, so-and-so, they really need to be here. They need to hear this message because he was talking directly to them. So this is your opportunity. I want you to look at them right now, all right? If they're not here, pull out your phone, text them. I want you to say, he's talking to you today. Just find that person, look at them, tell them he's talking to you today. Can you do that for me? All right, go ahead. He's talking to you today. You guys are going to make me come out there, and I'm going to sit next to you and preach this. Don't tempt me. Don't tempt me. All right. You are going to understand. We're talking about you, the real you, why you are the way you are. Well, you ever just, why are you the way that you are? That's, we're going to discover that. Why you think the way you think? Do what you do. Feel what you feel. And we're going to do it through the lens of the soul. The soul. Now, most of us, we don't think of the soul as having any bearing on our present life, our everyday life. When we think about our soul, we think about maybe it having an impact on our eternal life, preparing for eternal life. We don't think about our soul impacting our marriage, our work, our, our school, our relationships, our leadership, our effort. But I'm going to show you today how our soul impacts every area of our life. And if you're here and you're thinking, man, I, I don't really know much about the soul it's kind of mysterious. I, I don't even know if I know what the soul is or I don't think much about it. You're in luck. This is for you. I'm going to help you. We're going to push through. This is going to be so helpful. You're going to know 
what the soul is and how it works. In fact, what I'm going to share with you today could be the thing, like, like the thing in life. Like if, if somebody came to me and, and they said, what's your secret? Like how have you been married for 20 years? Well, what's your secret? How did you start something? How do you lead an organization? How do you lead a team? How do you raise kids? What's your secret? Because I told you I was going to talk to you about some secrets. I would probably bring them back to this thing that we're going to look at today. It's that important because the number one key to being a healthy person is a healthy soul. It has more impact in your life than any other thing. The number one key to be a healthy person is not going to the gym and working out. But a healthy soul, it will get you to the gym. Uh, the number one key to a healthy person is not going to a counselor and getting counseled. But a healthy soul can get you to the counselor. A healthy soul will impact your marriage. It's the best thing you can do for a healthy marriage. A healthy soul is the best thing you can do for healthy friendships, healthy relationships. When you don't know how to help your spouse and they're struggling, you don't know how to help your friend and they're struggling, the number one thing you can do for them is have a healthy soul. You want to be a healthy leader? You need a healthy soul. You want to lead a healthy team? You need a healthy soul. And I want to show it to you in Scripture today. Our main Scripture, it is just one verse. We're going to look at it. It's in 3 John, verse 2. There's only one chapter in 3 John. 3 John, verse 2. The Apostle John is writing to his friend Gaius, and he says to him, the very beginning, he says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things, and be in health just as your soul prospers. How many of you like that prayer? How many of you want to prosper and be in health? I, I told you that at the beginning of the season, there's prayers. You find them in Scripture. When you find them in Scripture, you want to circle them, underline them, write them down, because they're prayers that you can pray, and they're prayers that I pray for you. And if you're part of our church, if I'm your pastor, I pray for you every week, and you wonder, well, what do you pray for me? It's one of those things I pray for you. I pray that you would prosper, and I pray that you would be in health, those are good things, as your soul prospers. Now I want you to notice the connection and the distinction that John makes between the soul and every other part of our life. He says that when your soul prospers, it impacts the prosperity and the health of other areas in our life. So let me say it. Like this, this is the main idea I need you to grab today. If you don't grab anything else, write this down. It's what you need to get. That the condition of your soul is the greatest influence on your life. No matter what's going on on the outside, it's not as important as a healthy soul on the inside. If your soul is healthy and strong, you can get through anything else that you're facing. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but I've noticed we often, when we're going through trial, when we're going through adversity, we want to focus on all the external factors, everything on the outside, and we analyze the situation, and we go to work on solutions. I'm not discounting that, but I'm saying none of that matters as much as a healthy soul on the inside. Now, bear in mind, in this life, you will have trouble. 
That is a promise from Jesus. Not a lot of us like to claim that one, but it is a promise. You're going to have hardship. You're going to have difficulty. You're going to have challenges. You're going to have heartache and heartbreak and frustration and disappointment. And what determines whether you face them well, whether you face them with strength, is how healthy your soul is on the inside. you got to learn how to properly train and care for your soul. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about soul care. How many of you would like to know how to care for your soul? Well, we'll do that next week, so you've got to come next week. Now, understand when I say soul care, it is not the same thing as self-care. Now, make no mistake, when you care for your soul, you are caring for yourself. But I have to explain that because what a lot of us think of when we say self-care is actually toxic for your soul. It's actually poison for your soul. You're overwhelmed by the things going on in life, and, and so what do you do? You binge Netflix. You're, you're frustrated about the things you're going through and what you're experiencing, so you start doom-scrolling on social media. You're, you're facing pressures. You're, you're facing things that are, are causing you anxiety on the inside, and so you overindulge and you overspend, and you call it retail therapy. Look, I like to shop as much as anybody. But there are some things that we call self-care that are actually selfish that are not helpful for our soul. So don't mistake soul care with what the world calls self-care. Now, I, I need you to understand a, a few things about the soul because the soul has been largely misunderstood. I'm going to give you three truths right up front. You can write these down. We'll go through them quickly. That the first thing you need to know about your soul is that your soul is the center of yourself. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says that we are spirit, soul, and body. What that means is that we are a three-part being. Spirit, soul, and body. Your soul is at the center of yourself. Genesis tells us that when God made us, we were formed from the dust and the earth, and he breathed in us the breath of God, and we became a life-giving Soul, the part that's on the inside of us, that's, that's our soul. And the, the soul is the center of ourself. What I mean by that is that it has the greatest impact on who you are, more than your genetics, more than who your parents were or were not, more, more than your environment, more than your circumstances, more than your soul. As your soul goes, so goes your life. As your soul goes, so goes your leadership. As your soul goes, so goes your relationships. Your soul is the center of yourself. Here's the next thing. Your soul is part of your eternal self. I said we're a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. Well, your, your soul and your spirit are the eternal part of you. The eternal. The eternal part of you is the real you. This body, this part that, that you can see, that's temporary. Paul calls it a tent. What is a tent? A tent is a temporary dwelling. There, there's all different kinds of tents. I've seen some elaborate tents. I've seen some simple tents, some, some pup tents. I, I, I know you thought your body was a temple, but Paul says you're a tent. Some of us, we look more like tents, if we're honest, than we do temples. So 
Your, your body is a tent. It is a temporary dwelling. Your soul is part of the eternal you, the, the real you. It's going to be forever. Your body is going to be temporary. It breaks down. It doesn't last forever. Here's the next one. This is where I'm going to spend most of my time. Is that your soul is three parts. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And honestly, how many of you know that's a pretty big part of who we are? Our mind, our will, and our emotions. And I know that the soul can sound kind of complex. There's all these parts to it and can be a little bit intimidating and confusing. That's why I have this illustration for you. This is the bulk of my message right here, this illustration. And what you need to know is that this illustration is you. Now, I know you think it doesn't look like you, but go with me. This illustration is you. I said we're a three-part being, and what we have here is we have this container. That's our body. It's our shell, this glass container. Inside it is some water. Water is our spirit. Scripture talks about that the spirit of a man is like deep waters, and a person of understanding will draw it out. Water is our spirit, and Inside here, these building blocks, this is our soul. Our soul. Now, I want you to notice, our soul is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions. And it's all contained in this net. So, I want you to see that because the the soul is not like separate parts of you, where you got your your mind over here and your emotions over here and your will is someplace else. Spirit, soul, and body. We've got our body, our spirit, and contained in our spirit is our soul. Mind, will, and emotions. And I don't know if you've experienced this or you, you know this, but Scripture tells us that man is a spirit, but before we accept Christ, the, the spirit of a man, a spirit of humanity, of a person, is dead. That we're dead in our sins and dead in our trespasses, but when we accept what Christ has done, when we accept Jesus, who He is, the Son of God, how He died for our sins and He rose again, when we believe that and accept that, Scripture tells us that God gives us His Spirit, the Holy Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes in us, He comes on us, and He begins to transform us. And as you can see now, this is mixing here. I'll get a little bit in the front, more of the Holy Spirit. It's beginning to mix in the water. And sometimes, you know, you can go through life, and maybe that water is looking more clear than it it should. That's why I, I try and tell our team that you always need another dose of the Holy Ghost. Like, you can be filled and, and filled again. So, this is you. Now, a couple things, like this, this shell, we could say, if you want to get real theological about it, inside here is the heart of man. Everything contained inside is the heart of man, our spirit and our soul, mind, will, and emotions. And this shell here, Scripture tells us, eventually, one day, will be poured out. The eternal part of us will be poured out into a new container, a glorified body. This, this shell is going to go back to dust. 
But what's inside, the eternal you, is going to remain. Your spirit and your soul. Now notice how, getting a good blue going on here, and how the Holy Spirit is mixed with our spirit, different spirit, but he's joined with our spirit. The Holy Spirit is not our spirit, it's the spirit of God, but when we accept what he's done, he's joined with our spirit, and he's also not separate from our soul. Like the net that we have doesn't keep the Holy Spirit out. He's he's in and around and between the blocks, and the more our soul is in the presence of God's Spirit, the more that this is going to change too. But what I want you to see is that even though this has been transformed, our spirit, this has not changed. Do you see that? Our spirit's been transformed. Our soul has not changed. And what I'm trying to help you with is when we talk about these different terms, this is why it's so confusing. Do you mean like my heart or my spirit or my will or my mind or my emotions or the eternal me? I'm, I'm trying to bring some clarity to that today because what I want you to see, your spirit is transformed. Your soul needs to be trained. Now you know why sometimes you're running into issues and what you're dealing with is not a spirit problem, not a spiritual problem. It's a soul problem. Okay, now let's get into this so we can understand the soul. I want to build on each of these blocks today because let's talk about the mind. What is the mind? The mind is the place where we hold and form our beliefs. The mind is the part of the soul where we form and hold our beliefs. And you think about it this way, the, the mind sets the direction. The mind forms the outcome. That's why we talk about mindsets. You, you, you have a mindset. And what we learn from Scripture is that how we think on the inside changes everything about the outside. It's a, it's a mindset. Scripture says this in Proverbs 20, 23, verse 7. It says, speaking of a man, it says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Well, look at this for a minute. The, the word heart means the inner you. We don't typically consider that we think with our heart. We, we think with our mind. And I should just make a distinction that your mind is also not your brain. Your brain is an organ. Your mind uses your brain, but your mind is part of your soul. So to, to illustrate this, it's, it's like a GPS. It sets the direction. And I don't know if you've ever had this happen where you're going someplace and you punch in the wrong address by a number or you punch in the wrong name of a place and it'll start taking you there. And it seems like everything's working because it's giving you directions, you're following it, it's saying turn here, but it is taking you someplace that you don't want to go. Well, that's the way the mind works. And many of us, we have had things put into our mind and put into our soul for much of our life, and it is taking us in a place that is not in, in line with God's direction and God's plan. That's how the enemy works. It's wrong information. 
It's wrong ideas. It's lies. And we get these lies in our mind about who we are and who we can be and what's truth and and what's real. And we have these lies in our mind, and it's taking us down a path that is not God's direction for our life. So what do we have to do? We have to combat those lies with the truth of God's word. The Bible calls this renewing your mind. Your mind must be renewed by the word of God. God's word is truth. So what that means, we, we're holding this belief, this mindset, and we come in contact with God's word that says something different than what we believe. We need to realign, we need to renew our mind with what God's word has said. Let me just ask you, what, what do you believe about sexuality? What do you believe about gender? What, what do you believe about your relationships? What, what do you believe uh, about generosity? What, what do you believe about forgiveness? What you believe, when you, when you come in contact with something that is different, in God's word that's different than what you believe, you need to begin to renew your mind. It's going to take you someplace that you don't want to be. God's word is the source of truth. The mind must be renewed. Let's talk about the will. Your will is the part of the soul that determines your capacity to make decisions in alignment with what you want most. So in other words, your will has to do with your choosing, what you choose, what you choose. And I'll tell you, every time you see a healthy marriage, here's what you got to know. Behind that healthy marriage is a trail of good but hard decisions. Every time you see a healthy relationship, what you got to know, behind that relationship is a series of good but hard decisions. Every time you see a healthy and strong leader, what you need to know is that behind that leader is a series of good but hard decisions. Every time you see a strong and healthy church, what you got to know is that behind that church is a trail of good but hard decisions. You see somebody healthy, you see somebody, and you look like, man, how did they get there? I'm telling you, behind them is a series of good but hard decisions. And the reason you have to get this in your life is because your life is determined by what you do, not by what you intend to do. And a lot of us have good intentions, but poor decisions. That's why we need a strong will. Aren't you glad for Jesus, who made some good but hard decisions, and he was willing? He was willing. I don't know if you know this, but in Luke 22, verse 42, listen to what he said, praying to his father. He said, Father, if it can be done, take away what must happen to me. He was about to suffer and go to the cross. Look at what he said. Even so, not what I want, but what you want. Jesus said, Father, it's not about what I want. I'm willing to do what you want. And within this is the secret you got to understand about the will. Because the, the real way to strengthen your will is to begin to conform your will to God's will, where what he wants is what you want. And I know that there's some of you, you want to see some changes in your life. 
and you've been wondering, how do I see this change in my life? And, and you're beginning to get discouraged, beginning to feel desperate because you, you've tried to change in this area and you haven't seen change in, your er in this area and you're wondering if change is really possible in this area. Here's what I want to tell you. You are not the problem. It's not, your, it's not your history that's the problem. It's not your genetics that's the problem. It, it, it's not your circumstances that's the problem. You need a stronger soul. You need a stronger will. You, you, you need to strengthen your will. And what I want to encourage you with today, you don't have to stay the victim. Like, I, I know that we all have different starting points in life. I know that we all have different circumstances in life. I know we all have different obstacles that come against us in life. But I'm here to tell you today, God is here to strengthen you. God is here to help you. He, he, he is here to empower you. You can receive it. You can walk in victory. And what's ironic about this is that the way to victory is actually more surrender. Not, not surrender to just whatever your desires are, but surrendering your will to God's will. That's what Jesus did. Not what I want, Father, but what you want. So what I want to tell you is your will must be surrendered. Your mind has to be renewed, but your will must be surrendered. Here's the last one. I want to talk about your emotions. Your emotions are the part of your soul where you feel. And that's not a surprise to anyone. Everyone has feelings, and there's nothing wrong with feelings. And I'll before I get into what I want to tell you, I just want you to know your feelings are legitimate. However, there's a tendency in our world to elevate our feelings and elevate our emotions above everything else. Where we are dominated by the feelings in our life. We are dominated by the emotions in our life. And if you want to have a healthy soul, if you want to be a healthy person with a healthy soul, you cannot be led by your feelings. You cannot be led by your emotions. Because your feelings, even though they're legitimate, they can't be trusted. Your feelings are fickle. And we give emotions way too much weight in our life. Let me illustrate it this way. For everybody in here who's married, been married, wants to be married someday, if you don't want to be married, that's fine. Nothing wrong with that, but I'm just speaking as an illustration. Those of you who are married, been married, want to be married someday. On your list of desirable traits in a spouse, you think through everything you want in Mr. Wonderful or Mrs. Wonderful, I can promise you on that list is not Moody. <laughs> Moody is not what we're looking for in a life partner, in a husband, in a wife, in a relationship. What we want is predictable. What we want is stable. And that same truth about relationships and marriage is true in every other area of your life. You can't be led by your feelings. And if I can just take a step and get even more real with you, 
a lot of Christians, when they're talking about the Holy Spirit, what they're really talking about is their emotions. The reason I know they're talking about their emotions is because they talk about how I feel. I feel like this. And I get it. Language is incomplete sometimes. But can I tell you, the Holy Spirit is not going to tell you to do something that violates God's Word. God's Word is truth. And the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of truth. And so when you feel something that violates God's Word, let me tell you, that is not the Holy Spirit. That's your feelings. That's your feelings. And your feelings can't be trusted. I feel like I'm preaching to a Presbyterian church this morning. So quiet in here. Not sure if we can clap. We're just going to take notes and be good little Christians today. So what are we supposed to do with our feelings? Because feelings aren't bad. Feelings are a gift from God. They're not good or bad. They're neutral. But what do we do with feelings? Well, we get a picture in Psalm 42, verse 5. The psalmist David, he says this. Get this. Get, get this picture. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. He starts talking to himself. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Soul, why are you so discouraged? Why are you so depressed? Why are you so down on yourself? Let me tell you something, soul. Put your hope in God. Praise God. Get up. Lift up. Get, get your hopes up. And, and, and let me help you understand something about the physiology of worship. Maybe you've never thought about this before, but consider for a moment that we are commanded in Scripture. Say commanded. Amen. Commanded in Scripture to lift your head, lift your hands, Clap your hands. I wish there was a command to clap on beat. That's my prayer for some of you. You learn to clap on beat. It's the two and the four. Not the one and the three. Not the one, two, three, four. It's the two and the four. We'll work on it. We'll have a little lesson after church. Clap your hands. Stand. Sing. Shout. Why? So God will be glorified? Well, Yes, but also because it impacts your soul. When you lift your hands, yeah. when you lift your hands, your soul is lifted. When you raise your voice, your soul is raised. And what you need to understand is that your emotions need to be led. Not lead. Some of us were letting our emotions lead. No, your emotions need to be led. Think about any athlete before they go into the match, before they go into the ring. Are they just like... No. Boxer's in the ring, right? He's, before he walks up there, he's like, he's getting in, he's, he's, he's doing something in his soul. And, and you're wondering, man, why am I feeling this way? 
Well, here's, here's the problem. Some people say, like, when we talk about raising their hands and clapping and smiling, well, pastor, <laughs> I know what you're saying, but I got to be real. I got to keep it 100. Now, I'm, I can't fake it. I, I got to keep it real. Okay. Let me ask you. Just understand, there's, there's two yous. Are you talking about the real you that's been transformed or the you that needs to be trained? Okay? Because until you train your soul, somebody say soul train. Until you, just, until you train your soul, your mind's got to be renewed. Your will has to be surrendered. Your emotions have to be led. Until you train your soul, your soul wants what your flesh wants. My, my flesh is in opposition. The, the flesh, that's, that's the, the, the untransformed part of me. It, it, it wants what it wants. It wants things in opposition to God. So I get you got to keep it real, but, but let's keep it real with the real us that's been transfor- transformed. Let's train our, our soul. And what I'm trying to help you see, see, a lot of us are expecting the blue to do the work. But our problem isn't spiritual. Our problem is right here. And we're wondering, well, I'm saved. I've accepted Jesus. Why, why isn't this working? Because you haven't trained your soul. Now, I'm going to get more into that next week, how, how to train and care for your soul. Now, the blue is powerful. The blue helps us. The blue strengthens us. The, the blue empowers us. But at the end of the day, you've got to train your soul because what you're dealing with is a soul issue, not a spiritual issue. And what I want you to grab hold of today is that God wants your soul well. He wants your soul well. He transforms your spirit. You have to train your soul. He wants your soul well. And I want to illustrate this with a story I came across recently. This is a true story. You can look it up. On May 27th, 2002, a man named Ike Brown, he's a police officer, he lost his son in a senseless shooting. He's a police officer for the Jacksonville, Florida Police Department. And his son, his firstborn son, Ike Jr., 21 years old, he was at a friend's house playing video games. And also at this friend's house was a, another man he didn't know, was not connected with him. This man, his name was Takoya Crimer, he was there in his own words, he was there for one reason, to smoke pot and drink beer. And while they were playing video games, this other man, he took out a gun and shot them senselessly, cold-blooded, senseless murder. Well, Ike, he would tell you, was raised in a Christian home. His mom was a believer, raised with Christian values, but in his own words, he said this. He said, 
you know, I, I grew up a Christian, but honestly, I, I always had this belief, mindset, I always had this belief that you mess with one of my kids, I'm going to mess with you. Well, it was three years from when his son was murdered to when the trial took place. And he talks about how he doesn't know when it started, but God began to do something in his heart. And he remembers the moment he walked into that courtroom and he saw his son's killer. To his words, he says, I, I looked at him, I saw my son, and I loved him. Well, Takoya was found guilty, was sentenced to life in prison. The Takoya's family was distraught. Ike walked up and he told him, I forgive you, I love you. And you would think that would be the end of the story, but Ike goes on to say, it's like, every time I would think about my son's killer, God was doing something in my heart in his heart, in his soul. He's like, I would I'd begin to pray for him. And as I would find myself praying for him, I, I felt emotions that I wanted to write him a letter. So I started writing him a letter. It's Will, he's making some choice. Every time he'd write a letter, he'd throw it away. He couldn't really bring himself to send it. Finally, he, he wrote this letter. I don't have the whole letter, but just a little excerpt from it. He, he wrote this letter, and he said to him, he said, hey, I hope things are as well as they can be. He said, I've been thinking about you. When I think about you, I pray for you. He said some other things, but he said, I need a favor from you. I miss my son, Ike Jr. And I'd like you to fill in for him until we all get to heaven. But if you can't, know that I understand. Well, he sent this letter. He wasn't sure if he received it or how he felt, but he says a month later he, he got a letter back from the correctional facility. This is what the letter said. It said, Dear Mr. Brown, I now know that God is real. I told God that if you meant what you said and if you forgave me, if you really loved me, I, I told God that I wanted to hear from you. And I told God that if I heard from you, I would give him my life. Mr. Brown, you asked me for a favor. You asked me if I would fill in for Ike Jr. In no way am I qualified. But if you'll have me, from this point on, you're my dad, and I'm your son. What's cool part of this story was after this letter that Ike officially adopted Tekoya as his son. Can I tell you only God can do something like that? Only God can change a human heart. God will transform your spirit. You have to train your soul. Jesus said this. He said, what does it profit a person? What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? What can anyone give in exchange for the soul? In other words, our soul can be corrupted. We can lose our soul. We can lose, it can become tainted. We can lose our soul to, to grief. We can lose our soul to bitterness. We can lose our soul to, to pain. 
to anxiety, to anger, to, to unforgiveness. I want to tell you today, don't lose your soul. Don't, don't lose your soul to grief. Don't lose your soul to anger. Don't lose your, your soul to unforgiveness. You can win an argument, but lose your soul. And what's in front of you is too important. You think, Pastor, you're just trying to motivate me. Yes, I'm trying to motivate you because people are depending on you. There is too much at stake. There is too much that matters. Your call is too great. There are things that only you can do and you need to train your soul. You've got a legacy to leave. You've got things you need to do. Don't lose your soul. Oh, come on, my soul. 